Good to see you tonight. Appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord's house. It's one of those dreary kind of nights when some people might be tempted to not get out and about, but but I think our our um, the Lord gives us the grace to do what He wants us to do, and we know that's His will. So it's good to see you tonight. We're going to be in Proverbs tonight. If you'll be finding that, Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30 has a number of, uh, we could just call them lists tonight. Lists of uh, things that are wonderful, lists of things that are powerful, comely, uh, different things. Proverbs chapter 30. This is not a, uh, most of the Proverbs are written, of course, by Solomon, this was not written by Solomon. It's the words in verse 1 says of Agur, the son of Jakey. These are the, the, the Proverbs of Agur. And um, so he wrote this, gave us this inspired writing. And uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 30, uh, 24. Excuse me, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24. And let's stand together for the reading of the scripture. And... It's going to talk about four little things that are exceptionally wise. Verse 24 says, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. And he lists those four things. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk. I love the word folk. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet make they their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet go they forth all of them by bands, like working together as a team. The spider taketh hold with her hands, and is in king's palaces. So four little things that are extremely wise. And we're going to look at that, really how, how wisdom, wisdom compensates over weakness. Four little things that are exceeding wise. Let's pray. Father, please bless as we study together. Use your word. Help us to receive it, to grow in grace. And Lord, to be equipped, Lord, to uh, not only value, but appropriate wisdom, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So really, it's talking about four things that are small, four things that are for little. It says in verse 24, they're little upon earth. These are pretty small things. I mean, an ant, an ant's a pretty small thing, wouldn't you agree? A spider is a pretty small thing. A locust, uh, when I think of locusts, I think of the th locusts that we hear sometimes in the summertime. Um, but these were, these were a word generally used for like a grasshopper, a locust. It's a pretty small thing. The only thing among, the, and the larger of these things would be the coney. That's not a uh, coney dog like you would get in uh, New York maybe. This is, a coney is like a rabbit. Actually, we would call it a rabbit today, but these are, these are not strong things. It says in verse uh, 25, the ants are a people 
not strong. So that's why I use the word weakness. These are things that are not strong. They're little. Uh, they're not strong. Verse 26 says, the conies are but a feeble folk. And so all these things are very vulnerable, very small, very weak. Now, we have to understand this. It's a given that when God gives us these examples in the Bible, it's not just so we'd understand ants. It's so we'd understand us. It's lessons that we could learn about ourselves. Looking at a spider. Looking at a grasshopper. And so these are four small things, but look at the compliment that's paid to them in verse 24. They are exceeding wise. Not just kind of wise, sort of wise. They're exceeding wise. They excel in their wisdom. Now in this list, these group of lists here in Proverbs 30, we're not going to look at them, but he, you know, Agur talks about several things. In one place he talks about the majestic eagle. Another place he talks about the greyhound. In verse 30, it says, look what he says in verse 30. This is another list where I'm going to look at it. A lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away from any. There's a strong, there's the, the king of the jungle. A strong lion that doesn't turn away from anything. But by contrast, you have spiders and ants and small things, grasshoppers, weak things. Now, let's just th put this out there as we get into the study tonight. I think most of us can understand what it is at some time in your life to feel small. Not, not in stature, but in facing life. We all represent, we all, we all face times when we feel incapable, when we feel, have you ever had some, have you ever had a challenge of something to do and, and you just felt uh, insufficient for the task? And that doesn't have to be a ministry task, that could be the task of being a mother or being a father or, be, or teaching a Sunday school class or giving out a gospel track, but feeling small and weak. And you go through trials, we go through trials. I'm thinking about what we have all gone through in recent months, you know, when life just seems to be so overwhelming and dangers are present and every, the world seems so big and enemies seem so powerful and victory seems so uncertain. So all of us deal with this. I think it'd be a very uh, prideful person who never faced anything that they were they felt small about, right? Felt in, incapable of. So we're all familiar with that. It's the opposite of strength. It's the opposite of the line down in verse 30. It's the opposite of being strong and capable. And as I was thinking about this, we'll get back to the ants in a minute. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how both weakness and strength can be either a curse or a blessing. I mean, and this just takes strength, first of all. If a person is strong, then and they can be self-reliant, which is a good thing. They, they, really have, they really believe that they're capable of doing a certain thing. It's not a bad attribute always. But self-reliance can also cause pride. So it can be a blessing or a curse. Um, I was thinking a little bit ago, and I'm going to turn to it. Hold your finger there in Pro uh, Proverbs and go to the book of 2 Chronicles. A little ways to the left, about a, uh, a, 
really kind of a biographical sketch. I'm going to look at a couple of verses of someone that just has really uh, been a source of encouragement and help to me. And his name was uh, Uzziah. He was a king of Judah. But it says just a couple of things about 2 Chronicles 26 about Uzziah. It says in verse 5 that he, talking about Uzziah, 2 Chronicles 26, 5, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And here's your very important phrase. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And if you were to read that chapter, you see very practical and specific areas where God prospered his life. But look in verse 15. Coming to the end of noting all of these great things he did, it says in verse 15, and he made in Jerusalem engines, uh, not a diesel engine, but an engine, invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones. He, he created these weapons that were set up on the wall and on the towers and they could, they could shoot these arrows. It was a great, a great invention. And it says in verse 15, and his name spread far abroad. He was very famous. For he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And then verse 16 says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord. So strength can be either a blessing or a curse. Strength could be a blessing if it helps you be confident in some things you want to do, but it could be a curse if you trust in yourself. But weakness also can be a blessing or a curse. A feeling inferior, feeling incapable is a curse if it leads you to be discouraged or if it leads you to quit or feel defeated. Your person says, well, I could just never, I could never come back from this. I could never overcome this. I could never be sufficient for this. Weakness could be a curse if it causes you to quit or to give up. But weakness can be a blessing if it gives you the incentive to trust in the Lord. If your weakness causes you not to quit but to depend more upon God, then weakness can be a blessing. Uh, also in Proverbs, go to Proverbs chapter 18 um, this evening for just to look at a verse. Proverbs 18 and verse 12. The Bible says, before destruction, before a person wipes out, crashes and burns, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. You see, there a man's pride leads to his destruction. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, prideful, arrogant, and before honor is humility. See, Pride goes before destruction, but humility or weakness, humility is, a, is a, an attitude of weakness, not pride, but humility goes before honor. So as we go back to our text and look at the ant and the spider and the um, grasshopper, one of the things that we, we see is they were exceeding wise, you know, and I, I think of this 
you know, this phrase, working harder is good. It is good to work harder, but working smarter is even better. And so these, these, these four examples we have are not just, they're hard workers, but they're smart workers. They were small, they were weak, they were vulnerable, but they had exceeding wisdom. Um, and they're examples really of, of accomplishment, ingenuity. So, you know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot to be said in our, in our society about strength, right? About brute strength and about physique, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But uh, there's a place for it. But it's no guarantee of success, especially in the spiritual realm. These four things, though, use their wisdom to excel in spite of their smallness. So their size, an ant, doesn't determine their productivity. Their wisdom does. So let's look at these four things tonight in Proverbs chapter 30. Let's talk to ant first. It says that the ants, in verse 25, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the winter. Let's think about this. The ants are a people. Now, don't say they're not a people because God said they're a people. The ants, the ants are a people not strong. And how many of you ever had an ant farm as a, some kind of a project in your house? Anybody have ant farms? I've I've had one. Um, compared to any other animal, think about this, any other animal, any other insect, any other human, any other living creature, you compare the strength of an ant to it, and they're all stronger than an ant. They're ex but they have this going for them. They're exceeding wise. Now, how is their wisdom seen? Look at the verse. The answer of people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. So how is their wisdom seen according to this passage? They're industrious, yes. But how is their wisdom noted in this passage? It's in their planning and their preparation. Right? They plan their meat. They prepare their meat in the summer. Another example of that is in Proverbs chapter 6. And the ant's kind of famous in the book of Proverbs. You may not think they're important. I may not, but God does. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. By the way, isn't it just interesting that the Almighty God, who knows everything, can do everything, has all power, all wisdom, that he gives such special attention to ants. Now, I mean, ants, some ants are bigger than other ants. But when I'm reading this, I'm not thinking about one of those big ants. Not to be compared with the uncles. I'm talking about one of those insects. But I, th I see this little bitty kind. The kind that would be running around on your countertop. You know, that's, that's the kind of ant I'm looking at. Go to the ant, verse 6 says. 6-6. Six, six. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, you lazy person. Go to the ant, consider her ways. Not his ways, her ways. And be wise. You'd be wise if you learned from the ant. Right? Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, nobody cracking a whip over them, provideth her meat, here's the same reference, 
the same, I should say, the same thought, the same quality, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? You, you, get up and go look at the ant, you lazy bum. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? So what do we learn? What is the wisdom of an ant? And that is their planning and preparation. They work in the season when work can be done. They're not procrastinators. They're not slackers. They don't sleep till 10 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock. They get up early. You know, what, you know one thing that will compensate for weakness? Hard work. Punctuality. Um, responsibility. They're preparing for the future. What is it? What is, you know what it takes for a person to get some money in the summer and hold on to it until the winter? It takes discipline. Some people, no matter how much money they get, it's not enough. Because whatever they get, they're going to spend. They're looking forward to getting $4,000 from the government if they can just get the Senate to sign on to this. You know why? So that within a month it'll all be gone. That's how people live. You know why? Because they're foolish. You would, th you would say, if I get $4,000 and I, and, I, and I can live without it, I'm going to put it away. That's what the ant would do. The ant would put it in a savings account because the day is going to come when he could use that money rather than just blowing it on whatever comes up. But you know what? People don't like this kind of teaching because they'd rather be foolish than wise. Go to the ant. Watch the ant. The ant works when they can work. They take advantage of the season of labor and then they store their food. They don't go eat it. They store it and they're going to need it. It's, it's like laying up for the future. That's what it's like. It's planning and laying up for the future. Look in Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5. This is not talking about an ant, but it's talking about the same principle. Proverbs 10, 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. Not just a wise ant, but a wise person. It's summertime. Summertime's nothing wrong with taking a vacation, but summertime's not for just hanging out at the beach all the time. It's summer's time is for time for working. You know why? Because winter comes. There comes we have a number of construction people in our church. And you know what they know? They know that, that if, if we have a hard winter, they may be out of work for weeks. And you know what, why they, what, you know what a wise person would do? They're putting aside some money back in, during the spring, during the summer, during the fall, because in the wintertime they might need it. That's called wisdom. Look in verse 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. So... We're talking about the ant. We're back in Proverbs chapter 30. Very little, but extremely wise. It's a model for us. We're going to move on, but it's a model. It's a model of foresight, thinking ahead. It's a model of saving. It's a model of storing. It's a model of living 
frugally with an eye toward the future. It's how wisdom compensates over smallness. It's a practical lesson. But I want to say it's also a spiritual lesson because this, this does not just apply to money or saving or industry. It applies to eternity too. See, a foolish person lives like there's no tomorrow. A foolish person lives like there's no judgment coming. Like they're not going to stand before God one day. But a wise person lives today because he knows he's going to stand before God one day. He lives like he ought to live today. Preparing, prepare to meet thy God. That's what the prophet said. So let's first of all, we think about the ant. Very small, very wise. I want to learn from the ant, don't you? There's a second thing then we see in verse 26, and that's the, we're in Proverbs 30. That's the conies. The conies are but a feeble folk, <laughs> yet they make their houses in the rocks. Now, conies were fur-bearing animals, much like rabbits. They were mammals. They were much like rabbits. As a matter of fact, just just satisfy satisfy my own curiosity. I was I was reading about an, a rabbit today. Interesting read. But the name rabbit didn't originate until like the 17 or 1800s. They were called other things because they were rabbits, and one of the things they were called were conies. There's, a, there's another mammal similar to a rabbit called a hyrax. Actually, there's a breed called the, the rock hyrax. It's like a large rodent, but it appears sort of like a small rabbit, and they were called conies. So these are, these are like little, small mammals, rodent slash uh, rabbit looking small, but very, I would say, indefensible against predators. They, they, they protected themselves. They knew they were no match for predators, so what did they do? They, they fixed a way, they found a way, they would build houses among the rocks. And they still are in the Middle East, those kinds of varmints in the rocks. There's another passage it mentions them. Go to Psalm 104. Psalm 104 and verse 18. This is a passage where the psalmist is just talking about God's creation, how God provides for animals. And uh, verse 17, birds make their nests in these trees, as for the stork, etc. Verse 18, the high hills or a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. It's for the conies. It's a cony community up in the high rocks. Now, what, what do we know about these conies? Basically, they, they took great care in protecting themselves against potential attack. That's really what this whole passage is about. Both references here, one in Psalm, one in Proverbs, both talk about the exact same part of their life, and that is that they know that they're vulnerable. They know that, that they, they're weak. They know that they're small, and so they pro provide for a refuge. And all I see, I, what I see in that is just, again, wisdom prepares for spiritual attacks. 
That's what wisdom does. They prepare for it. And there's much in the Bible about that. We spend a lot of time talking about that. But you know, the good thing is we have a refuge. We have God. God is our refuge. And He is our protector. He is our, he is our sufficiency. We're small. I feel very, not physically small, but very small in, in the world that we live in. We need, I'm no match for the enemy. I'm no match for spiritual attacks. But I know who is. God is. And in Proverbs 30, we see a third thing. We see the ants, very weak, very small, but very wise. The conies, feeble folk, but very wise. They build their houses, their refuge in the rocks. Verse 27, the locusts have no king. Yet go they forth, all of them, by bands. Now locusts are swarming insects and they're like grasshoppers. And when you read about the locusts in the Bible, that's usually what it's talking about. And I don't, this is something that would be very, very, very unusual in this part of the world. But you could go to places like where I grew up in Texas where grasshoppers just ravage a garden. The in, the vegetation just I mean eat literally eat it up you think well that's not possible but I know it is possible because I've seen it happen and I've been since I've lived here I've gone down to visit family and they've got gardens and it's just like you would think something more than a little grasshopper had destroyed their garden how do they do that individually they don't have that kind they're a small little thing now grasshoppers in Texas really are a little bit larger than they are around here. And there are some around here. But what is their strength? Where's, where's their wisdom seen? Look at it. The, grass, the locusts have no king, yet go forth all of them by bands. You know where their strength comes? It, strengths in, it comes in their numbers. It comes, they come in swarms. They don't have a designated leader. But they organize themselves. That's what it says in verse 27. They go forth all of them by bands. They're working together and, and rank, and they devour things. So they're extre- every one of these have extreme wisdom, not, kind, not a bit of wisdom, not sort of wise, but the Bible says all four of them are exceeding in their wisdom. And their wisdom, this grasshopper, the, wis- the wisdom of the grasshopper is seen in its cooperation and companionship. They band together, they belong to one another. They travel together. Individually, they're weak. Individually, they're formidable or or vulnerable. But but together, they become formidable. They become powerful. They become effective. And so their wisdom is in their teamwork. You know, one of the things that uh, works against people is when they isolate themselves from other people. When they try to do it on their own. When they when they're relying just upon themselves. There's wisdom in being connected to people. There's wisdom in being a part of a a group, a congregation like this. Belonging to a congregation of like-minded believers. That's why the Bible calls us sheep. One of the reasons, many reasons the Bible refers to us as sheep. One of the reasons, though, is because sheep need a shepherd, but sheep also need other sheep. The most dangerous thing a sheep can do is to get away from the flock. That's like the 
parable of the uh, lost sheep. The shepherd left the 99 to go out and get the one because he's very vulnerable by himself. So the locust, what, you know what the wisdom of the locust is? We're not going to travel alone. We're going to travel as a group. We're going to travel together. We're going to go through this together. We're going to work together. We're going to, we're going to combine our efforts. There's great wisdom in that. And it is it's foolish. And I, you know, for as a person who is by nature an introvert, that's me, who by nature uh, enjoys time alone, nothing wrong with enjoying time alone, but we, we, we may need alone time like we heard twice. Two out of three messages Sunday night was about being alone with the Lord. But we also need each other. We need accountability. We need fellowship. We need encouragement. And you say, well, I just don't need that. I, then you're being foolish because a, a wise person recognizes that. Okay, so then the last thing we see are the spiders. My wife who's in the nursery. She would miss, she, this would be her favorite point because she has this extreme phobia about especially about those, we call them granddaddy long legs. Do you know what those things are, those spiders? She is so absolutely obsessively afraid of those. So if you ever have one and she's around, please make sure she sees it. Now these spiders, these are four small things. And if you were to think, if you were just to think about something, some insect that you just consider to be very powerful, I don't think you would think about a spider. Right? You probably wouldn't think about an insect at all. But what do they do? Look what it says there. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. So what they do, the spiders, they use their hands to spin these webs. And they're found in king's palaces. This small creature, and this is what I see in this, they use their unique God-given ability. To, to spin this web, to catch its prey, or to build its home. You say, well, how far can a spider go into king's palaces, what the Bible says? So what I see in a spider is their creativity. Despite their small size, they use their unique God-given, and it is God-given, ability to do things that seem impossible. And it really is. Imagine... Imagine an a, a insect that can create a web with a strand that's finer than anything a man could make. Isn't that an amazing thing how they can do that? And they catch their prey in it, and they can make shelter in it. And so I see in them great creativity. And what I see in that for us is that we use... You know how we overcome our weakness, overcome our smallness? It's by using our unique skills, the things that God has given to each of us to our advantage. And I see in all four of these things the superiority of wisdom. You know, Sol this is, Solomon did not write this Proverbs I mentioned earlier. Agur did. But Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, and we know that Solomon was known for his wisdom. The Queen of Sheba traveled many hundreds of miles because she did not believe it would be possible for a man to have that much wisdom. And she saw the great wisdom of Solomon. 
As a matter of fact, do you remember when Solomon first became king, um, he, he had this vision and he, that he could ask for anything he wanted. Imagine that. Ask for anything you want. And most people would think, in our generation, they'd think about a car or a truck or a private jet or an A on a report card. <laughs> Just things that would be impossible to have otherwise. And you know what Solomon said? He said this. He re- he re- I'm paraphrasing. He recognized how inferior and inefficient he was to be the king over God's people. And he said, I just want one thing. I want you to give me wisdom. Give me a hearing heart. Give me the ability to know your will. And you know what? That, that request would be foolish in the eyes of many people. You mean you could ask for a mansion? You know, you could ask to be a king? You could ask for long life? And you know what God said after he promised him this? He said, I'm going to give you all these other things too. I'm going to lengthen your days and I'm going to give you great riches. But because you asked for this, and he did ask for this. And this book of Proverbs, we're looking at it. I was just, just checked today. Just in the book of Proverbs, you find the word wise or wisdom 120 times. 30 books, roughly 30 books, 31 or 30 chapters. For at least an average of four times a chapter, it talks about wisdom. That's why we ought to be in the book of Proverbs, by the way. You say, boy, I wish I had that kind of wisdom. Then read this book and reread it and reread it and reread it and reread it because you'll learn things about ants and about spiders and about rabbits and about grasshoppers and about us. This is all about wisdom is better than, wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than, than being strong or being capable or being rich. Wisdom And by the way, there's wisdom in here about money. There's wisdom in here about health. There's wisdom in here about a lot of things. Over and over and over. And then then Solomon said this, wisdom is the principal thing. That means it's the most important thing. We heard about this the other night in the preaching Sunday night. When, When Jesus said to Martha, you know, that Mary hath chosen that good part. There's something more important than everything else. And you know what it is? Part of that is wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. You know what compensates for weakness? If you ever felt weak, I have. I often do. I feel, I feel, in, I feel like I'm not capable. I, feel like, I, I don't feel like I'm up to the things that that God wants us to do, you, you say, well, what do you do? Do you quit? No, we ask God for wisdom. God can give us wisdom. I was reading, well, let's turn a few pages to the left. In Proverbs 21, in my preparation today, Proverbs 21, and verse 22. Look at this. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty. Now here's, get a picture. Cities, cities weren't just open uh, cities like they are today. Cities had 
walls around him, large walls, some of them many feet wide, thick walls, 10, 12 feet wide. Thickness of it. This, this great massive wall surrounds the city. Notice what it says, a wise man scaleth the city of the mighty. The city represents strong and mighty people, but a wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. Why, go back to Proverbs 30 and we'll wrap this up. But wisdom is so valuable. Now, the, if, as I said earlier, look in verse 1 of chapter 30. The words of Agur, the son of Jakey, even the prophecy. So the, God used Agur to give us this, this list of, of uh, Proverbs. But notice his confession in verse 3. I neither learned wisdom. No, excuse me, verse 2. Surely I am more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. Here's a man who wrote this great list of Proverbs who acknowledged that he himself at one time in his life he was void of wisdom. He had a failure as far as wisdom is concerned. And wisdom is the principal thing. So what do we learn from these four small things? The ant works hard. But he also plans. He prepares for the future. He's a saver. He works while he can and saves for the future. He makes provision for hard times. Nobody, nobody on this earth really knows what the future holds. But God does. And if I had my wishes, if I had my desire... This COVID would go away and everybody would be back to work in a few weeks. The economy would be thriving again, hitting on eight cylinders or six, if you prefer that. But you know what? We may be headed for hard times that will make where we are today look like a catwalk. And I know people don't think that's possible. And we live like it's not possible. We live like it's not possible. And most people, and some probably in this room, cannot make yourself believe that it could get worse than this. But even today, we're living better than most of the world does. The ant makes provision for hard times. It's, it's thinking, you know, there may be a day ahead when it's going to be a lot harder than it is now. The conies provide for spiritual attack. Not spiritual attack, physical attack. But for us, it's spiritual attack. That God is our refuge and our trust is in Him. It's not in the government, it's not in a politician, but it's in Him. And the locusts recognize the utter foolishness of trying to make it on your own. That there's community and there's cooperation and there's working together. That's the wisdom that they had. And the spiders use every unique 
creative ability they have, the ingenuity they have to make a way to get to where they need to go. That's wisdom. And we all need wisdom. Now, I've preached from Proverbs a lot of times, but I've never preached from that passage. But I've enjoyed studying it. Because I recognize tonight that the most, one of the most dangerous things that we could ever have in our life is thinking that we are in ourselves everything we need. That we're, we're strong enough, we're capable enough, we can manage on our own. But Agur came to the place to realize that things that are small and weak can compensate for their weakness by their wisdom. And I think it's a good lesson. Let's bow our heads together. Our heads are bowed this evening. Whoever, whoever's hearing this, whatever your station in life, whatever your age, We need God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is found in His Word. There are people I know that are so, see themselves in such, as being so small, and I understand that completely because I, I live there sometimes. But so small that they give up, they're ready to quit. When, when that is really an invitation, an opportunity to trust God, look to God, believe God, use what we have, but believe God and work together. Become more disciplined. Our fathers, we pray this evening. I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom of Agur. Thank you for the lessons that we can learn from the ant to work hard in the summer and be wise and disciplined. Prepare for the future. And all these creatures recognize how dangerous, spiritually dangerous dangers we face in the world and yet we have a refuge. I pray you'd use the principles of your word to teach us, help us to apply them to our lives. I think it would be worthwhile this evening with our heads bowed and our eyes closed before we dismiss for us all just in our own words and our own heart. Say, God, I need your wisdom. Teach me to 
make wisdom the principal thing in my life. Learning to live according to God's will and according to His Word and trusting Him and not in our own flesh.